0: Welcome to League of Lit, where we discuss books, adaptations, and anything else we wish to talk about, and tie it to lit because we can.
1: That we can. That kind of day. That kind of day every time we do this. Oh man, I mean, it's it's not always easy to think of things that can like transition from the intro to what we're talking about. does not always work. Um, but before we really dive into any of it, we should just make sure everyone knows it is a truth, universally acknowledged, that we are not a spoiler-free podcast.
0: No, not at all. And I am twirling my fancy mustache, as you say that. I don't actually have a mustache, but I will pretend for this episode because there are some good mustaches in this episode. We must <laughs> ask you I mean-
1: a question.
0: <laughs> am I going be bad?
1: Have you uh, ever read Agatha Christie?
0: have you ever it's, i there are people in the world that have it. oh it's true <laughs> i don't know how because she's she's written a so lot. many things there's a lot of content with agatha christie
1: there is and she is the queen of murder mysteries
0: oh truly though for real which uh we're going to talk about one of them today just one um Maybe one day we'll do some others. (laughs) Who knows?
1: There's so many to choose from, so it's highly probable that we'll do another one at some point in time.
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh,
1: The one that we're talking about today is Murder on the Orient Express, which was first published January 1st of 1934.
0: Yes. um, And in the United States, it was actually called Murder in the Calais Coach because there was already a book called Orient Express and they didn't want people to get confused
1: so many books that are titled the same things these days. Nobody cares about that anymore.
0: No, truly we do not care at all. To name it all the same thing over and over again.
1: You just like there are so many movies and books that have the same title. You just have to know which one people are talking about.
0: Truly. Um, Well, Murder on the Orient Express is uh one of many works that Agatha Christie. Wow. Just her name. Wow.
1: It was it Agatha again. all along, honestly. <laughs> it
0: was Agatha all along writing all of the detective fiction. Um, but it's one of the many books that Agatha Christie wrote featuring her Belgian detective, Hercule Perrault, which try to say that at all, really. It's not a very easy name.
1: It's a struggle.
0: Just calling him Perrault always feels better.
1: I, said so I honestly name. struggle with his last name. Perro, yeah,
0: you have to like make a weird face when you say Carol. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of a face that he makes Per.
1: <laughs> but it is important to note that he is Belgian there, and because it's something that's like point throughout so many of the different um stories uh f- that he is specifically in where people think he's French
0: It's the last name, I think. I think it is too because Perrot, I don't know if it is a French last name, but it sounds French.
1: I mean his whole name sounds French. It's, but, it's
0: yeah. very, it's very French, but I think, I think it's uh, funny. I think they, I don't know if she did that on purpose. I don't know, Agatha Christie, but um, <laughs> I don't know if she was like, this will be funny.
1: She might, you never know. She, I don't, yeah. But with, with this specific mystery, uh, we are on a train. And this all takes place in one trip, one train car. Um, There are a multitude of suspects. And it literally starts with the victim coming to Hercule Poirot before he ever actually is killed, saying he wants Hercule Poirot to figure out who is going to kill him.
0: It's very um, this. I, I do fully believe that Agatha Christie is the sort of basis by which people should set their murder mysteries around. It's
1: definitely I don't think what
0: enough, Ryan, Ryan Johnson is exactly who I was thinking of. Yeah, it was, um, it was definitely
1: what Ryan Johnson took a, a lot of the inspiration from when he wrote *Knives Out*. So,
0: and now we're getting a whole Benoit Blanc series. So. Um, I just think the way that she sets things up to almost to where it almost feels like you should know in the first 10 minutes who the, who the killer is. Yes. But they also don't give you enough information for you. It's like you look at it at the end and you're like, oh my God, I learned all of this so early in this. Mm Mm-hmm. It's definitely one of those. She's the, I think, the basis for the whodunit genre. Yes. For sure. I mean, mean, again, I don't know if there are other people, but for sure. I mean, 1930s. She is
1: the definition of whodunit and is the reason why we have so much amazing content. And literally, it's just, if you've never read an Agatha Christie you need to go read one.
0: Oh, highly recommend. And Orients a good place to start. Um
1: It's technically the 10th in the like yeah. in the whole her Hercule Poirot series. Um but it's like and Agatha Christie also has another well-known character, Miss Marple, um who is another like crime solver for her as well. And so those are her like two well-known characters, but she has a couple that like don't have either of them in it. And so It's all good.
0: It's all a good place to start, for sure. If you are into mysteries, if you've watched Knives Out, if you've seen Clue, another great example of a whodunit where you're just the twists and the turns that you take to get there. The way this book ends blew my mind the first time I read it. I was like, wait a second, (laughs) what? That is not what I expected because that's the point. The whole point of a who done it is that in the end it should literally be I never expected that. Otherwise it's boring.
1: And I honestly I love as I'm like reading these to try and figure it out before the end and see if my suspicions are correct because I have read so many of her books. it's I now ha- I feel like I have an idea as to what I'm looking for. I don't always. But like sometimes I get it right. And it's yeah. so satisfying.
0: It's nice to be like. Oh my suspicions are correct. This one. I honestly the first time I read it. My suspicions were not correct.
1: <laughs> I don't I remember what I felt. The first time I read this one.
0: Only because. And obviously we're not a spoiler free podcast. But only because the way that she ends this one. The whole thing, I'm sitting there going, it could be any of them. Well, yeah, because it was. (laughs) And -hmm. that's the crazy part.
1: Oh, yeah. No, this is one of the few where it's not like there is one defined killer.
0: No, there are lots of killers.
1: They all have their reasons, though. Mm -hmm. And you get to learn their reasons as the the story progresses.
0: Yeah. That is the entertaining part, for sure. Um but in this in the Orient Express, we're on a beautiful train in the nineteen thirties. You know, that was back when train travel was the thing to do. It was trainer boat. And um Perot is coming home to London from the Middle East and the train gets stopped. Heavy snowfall, somebody gets murdered. And then Perot, you know, can't do what he's not doing. For his life. And it's like, well, I have to stop this now. I have to stop what I'm doing. Which was, you know, like reading and eating. <laughs> and solve the murder. Yep. Um, and a lot of things happen. And it all takes place uh, for the most part. It's Istanbul and then we're just on the train. um, But it's in Yugoslavia. Stopped in between two Train stops in Yugoslavia.
1: Yes. They're trapped in the snow. So there are a couple of different adaptations. Uh, the first one was done in 1974. It was directed by Sidney Lumet. It was written by Paul Den. And it also, IMDb also lists Anthony Schaefer as an uncredited, uh, writer on the project. Um, it stars Albert Finney as Hercule Poirot, uh, which is our, our main leading detective. So as we go through this first adaptation, we'll kind of explain who is who. Um, we have Lauren Bacall as Mrs. Hubbard.
0: Yes, Mrs. Caroline Hubbard, who is the grandmother of Daisy Armstrong, who was later revealed to be actress Linda Arden. There's a lot to unpack.
1: There's a lot to unpack in all of this, if we're being (laughs) honest. Um, Ingrid Bergman is Greta.
0: Greta Olsen, I believe is how you say her last name. Um, And she is Daisy Armstrong's former nurse.
1: We have Sean Connery as Colonel Arbuthnot. I'm guessing that's how you say it. I'm not really sure. Colonel
0: John Arbuthnot. We're going to go with that. And Colonel Armstrong's best friend is in love with Mary
1: Debenham. Who is played by Vanessa Redgrave.
0: And Mary Debenham is a governess returning from Baghdad who was formerly Daisy Armstrong's governess.
1: Uh, We have Jacqueline Bissett as Countess. I'm not really sure how to say the Countess's name.
0: Elena Andreni? Maybe. Andreni? I feel like I, I should know head. because I
1: recently like listened to the book, however it's right? not Right, same.
0: <laughs> we don't always do good with the name thing. Um, <laughs> Countess Elena Andreni Andrene? Who knows? Um, she is the sister of Sonia Armstrong uh, that I technically could give away that she did not take part in the murder.
1: It's notable that she did not take part. in. It the is, it is. Jean Pierre Castle played Pierre.
0: Pierre Michel, who is the train conductor and the father of Daisy Armstrong's nursery maid who committed suicide after the murder.
1: Wendy Hiller played Princess Dragomirnov, which I'm, Dragomirnov. <laughs> which I'm sure is a Russian princess. Natalia Dragomirnov. <laughs>
0: princess Natalia Dragomirnov uh, is a Russian princess who is ultimately revealed to be Sonia Armstrong's godmother.
1: It's the Russian. That's why I struggled with that name. I love I'm just going to say it. That's okay. Uh, Anthony Perkins played McQueen.
0: Hector McQueen is Ratchet's personal secretary and translator, whose father was the lawyer for the Armstrong family.
1: And Richard Woodmark played Ratchet.
0: Samuel Ratchet, a.k.a. Cassetti, was a kidnapper. And murderer of three-year-old Daisy Armstrong. We probably should have started there, but good to know for everybody involved.
1: We're literally going in the order that uh, IND yes. has, has this cast list in. Yes. So. Um, Rachel Roberts played Hildegard. Hildegard Schmidt,
0: who is Princess Dragomirov's maid and formerly the Armstrong's cook.
1: Michael York played Count Andrenyi we're gonna go with it I
0: don't uh, know. Count Rudolf Andreni who is the husband of the Countess Andreni who took his wife's place as the 12th murderer giving all of that information away for you
1: yes George Col- Louris, uh played the doctor who would have been the uh, I think Greek I think he was Greek on- yes. uh,
0: Stavros right Constantine yeah, I, yeah. Um, Dr. Stavros Constantine um, he's a Greek physician who, after the murder, determines Ratchet's time of death. There's several on here that I listed that are, you're not saying.
1: Book? Boke. Yeah, I'm, I'm not seeing that one on here.
0: Boke. uh, I can say who he is.
1: Yeah, go ahead and But he's not
0: listed part. as, I guess.
1: I he's not, remember. I don't see him on the cast list.
0: Yeah. Um, Book. Is Perot's friend and a director of the Champagne International des Wagons Lits, which I have no idea what any of that meant.
1: <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know.
0: Oh, it's the it's the, it's the service. It's the trains. Oh. That's how he gets onto the train. We should know that.
1: <clears> I mean, <clears throat> that makes sense, but that's, yeah. Mm.
0: There's also
1: um, Cyrus Hardman. Colin Blakely plays Hardman.
0: Uh, Cyrus Hardman, who is an ex-American policeman who is in love with Daisy's French nurse who committed suicide after Daisy was killed.
1: Quite depressing.
0: There's also Antonio Fascarelli. <clears throat> Fascarelli? Fascarelli?
1: Dennis Quilly played Fascarelli.
0: Antonio Fascarelli, who was the Armstrong's former chauffeur who loved little Daisy. Edward Henry Masterman.
1: I don't see that character on this list.
0: He's Ratchet's Valley, a remote and haughty man who was Colonel Armstrong's batman in The War and Ballet in New York. Um So, we've listed all of the characters. Um not it doesn't seem that all of them were in the 1974 version mm-hmm. or if they were, they're not listed. Um not completely well, it's like, unusual.
1: Well, it like and even with the like ones that are like listed as uncredited, It's none of what you just talked about. Yeah. Clearly, they did not... Paul and Anthony did not feel like it was important for these characters to be present.
0: Because almost everybody involved, pretty much everybody involved, the whole point of the novel is that everybody involved has something to do with Ratchet being killed. Yes. They all, if you've ever seen any of the adaptations... Are, in, are literally like have a hand other than the countess who decides she can't take part. Mm-hmm. And obviously ratchet himself, who is dead and Tarot, who is <laughs> investigating. Um, pretty much all of them have a hand in, as I said, there were 12 people that murdered him. Yes. Count the characters. Like,
1: <laughs> so some of the like trivia that is connected to the 1974, um, Agatha Christie was 84 at the time of this one and she attended the movie premiere. It was the only movie adaptation in her lifetime with which she was completely satisfied with. Um, Specifically, she felt that Albert Finney's performance came closest to her idea of Praro, though she was apparently unimpressed with his too subtle mustache.
0: Listen, his mustache is mentioned 15 times in the original novel. There are 15 quotes. It's a big book, but that's a lot of times to talk about a man's mustache. I
1: don't know. So
0: yes, I can understand her not being happy with uh, with it, for sure. But
1: the, but the other adaptations that I have come across, she wasn't even alive for, so we have no idea
0: mm-hmm.
1: what uh, she could have potentially liked or disliked about the other paros that we'll talk about. But Um, Another thing that's noted here is that this story was inspired by the notorious kidnapping and subsequent murder of a famous aviator, Charles A. Lindbergh, and Mm -hmm. Anne Morrow Lindbergh's baby, Charles Lindbergh Jr., in
0: 1932. Yes. Fun fact. Sorry for the Lindberghs. This is a sad story.
1: Oh, this is a very sad story. So... Uh, the next adaptation that we will mention it was part of the Poirot series uh, that spanned from like the 80s to the early mm-hmm. 2000s, 2010s, um, because this episode aired on July 11th of 2010. It was directed by Philip Martin and written by Stuart Harcourt. And the Hercule Poirot for the Poirot series is David Suchet or Suche, um, and I—I I mean, I like him as Poirot personally. I like him better than the next Poirot that we will talk about. And once I we mean, once we talk about it, I'll explain why.
0: You better get used to that next Poirot. He ain't going nowhere.
1: Oh, I know, and it's not like I have any issues with it. I just yeah. prefer the other. But to list more characters from this from this particular adaptation Toby Jones was Samuel Ratchet in this adaptation sad for him which I think is interesting when as I'm like comparing in my head as I I'm like reading through the cast list of like who played which characters yeah it's it's an interesting like choice I think Brian J Smith played Hector McQueen it's like because these are like newer more current actors I feel like I should know who they are but I, I'm not familiar with Brian J. Smith at all
0: I recognize your face because I've seen bits and pieces of Sense eight which he was in mm-hmm. um, but other than that I don't really know him.
1: David Morrissey was John Arbuthnot and I recognize him from the 2008 adaptation of Sense and Sensibility mm-hmm. good old Colonel Brandon Mm-hmm. um Jessica Chastain was Mary Debenham
0: which is a fun choice Jessica Chastain is a uh, a very fun actress yes. she really throws herself into her work
1: Eileen Atkins was Princess Dragmarov
0: every time I see her all I think of is she was the mom and uh what a girl
1: wants she was in What a Girl Once. Her most recent one, though, that I recognize her from is The Crown. She was Queen Mary yes, in The Crown. She was. Suzanne Lothar was Hildegard Schmidt. Dennis Minochet played Pierre Michel.
0: Oh, he was in Inglorious Bastards. I don't remember him because I kept my eyes closed for most of that movie. But he's in that movie. <laughs> I didn't know what it was when I went to go see it.
1: I have not seen that one. I've just seen things. And Don't. every now and then it's like, oh, maybe I'll watch it. No, I won't watch it. Don't.
0: They scout people on screen in that movie. Don't.
1: Oh, that's fun. Uh, Barbara Hershey played Caroline Hubbard.
0: Like Hershey liked the candy? Yep. Yeah, Hershey like the candy.
1: Uh, she was Cora Mills in Once Upon a Time. I knew I recognized her face from somewhere. She
0: was in Beaches. In Black Swan. Good for her.
1: Hugh Bonneville was Edward Masterman. Is that I don't remember that being a.
0: I love Hugh Bonneville, he's so
1: funny. I mean, I love Hugh Bonneville, like Downton Abbey. <sighs> Wonderful. <laughs> my little
0: heart, my little Downton Abbey heart.
1: <laughs> um But did we talk about the character of Ed, Edward Masterman? I don't remember. I think so. Did I not mention it? Let me know. It's not a name I remember saying the last time.
0: Oh, I did. It was one I had to mention because the first adaptation didn't have one. He's that's the, why. he's Ratchet's valet. Oh my why. god! Moving up in the world from <laughs> playing a valet to playing the master of the house. Marie, say, Cruz. She's Canadian. Oh, well, French.
1: It'd be French Canadian, yeah. which is why it's yeah. like okay, it's not going to be. My first instinct was to go with Spanish, and it's like nope, that's not definitely not what it is. Um, Just say. So, sorry that we butchered your name, Marie, uh, but she played Greta Olsen. Mm-hmm.
0: She isn't. Oh, she was in Jack Ryan. She was in John, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan with John Krasinski. Krasinski. That's not how you say
1: it. This okay. is clearly going super well for us. Uh, we have Stanley Weber as Count Adrenny. I'm going to struggle with that one every single time I have to say it. Um, And I I don't.
0: Outlander. I've never really watched that much of Outlander. I haven't either.
1: Most of his stuff looks like it's in French. Yeah. Which is fair because he's a French actor. Makes sense. And then we have Elena Satine, who played the Countess. She. Was Lorelai on Agents of Mm S.H.I.E.L.D.? Not that I saw a ton of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. No, I didn't either. Um, I do, however, because I'm a massive NCIS fan, I do remember her episode when she played Adriana Gorgova. I remember that one. Samuel West played Dr. Constantine. He was in an episode of The Crown. He was in Notting Hill.
0: Darkest Hour with Gary Oldman.
1: We have Joseph Male. I'm guessing that's how you would say it. M-A-W-L-E. Um yeah, it could Joseph just be Maul. Just Male. I don't know. Um he played Antonio Forscarelli. And then they do have Book uh casted. It's uh Sergei has Hazen- a Navicious. I'm not. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. It's a lot of consonants squished together. That is the cast of the episode. Oh, yes, of the episode. I mean, they have a couple other characters. There's a Lieutenant Morris and a Lieutenant Blanche Flower. Which my guess would be those are the officers that eventually show up on on yeah on the scene at the end, sort of. Yeah. I mean, I I like. The Poirot series, it it's just good. If you enjoy
0: the Poirot books, highly recommend.
1: Yes, Um, it's. I mean, this is essentially like the BBC take on it. So, yeah, it it's pretty darn faithful. Which the majority of this episode was filmed at Pinewood Studios in Buckinghamshire
0: buckinghamshire
1: buckinghamshire not pinewood studios in atlanta
0: close but not quite (laughs) um but can i just have a question for Mm -hmm. british people why do y'all take words and just make them longer (laughs) (laughs) buckingham isn't a long enough word you had to add shire to the end of it
1: maybe they want to go to the shire
0: Good for them. Maybe it's because J.R.R. Tolkien
1: got uh, the inspiration for The Shire.
0: <laughs> but do we think his mustache is big enough? In the Perot series, do we think his mustache is big enough?
1: Maybe I mean, We'll talk
0: about another mustache. I will say, out of the mustaches, that I feel we like have. they
1: get bigger the further we go in.
0: But I think that's better. And that's why I don't necessarily love our next. Uh, Hercule Perrault the most but I think his mustache is the best
1: okay okay uh, uh, it, this is an interesting note that they have under the trivia due mm-hmm. to the nature of this episode some viewers may find the setting claustrophobic it is also very easy to imagine this version as a one act one set stage play
0: this is a one act one stage set this is a play people have put this play on and you don't, you don't go anywhere
1: Right, but like the way that they designed this adaptation, yes. it is yeah. like it's reminiscent of that. It is is the point that this uh, tidbit is trying to make?
0: Yeah, it's definitely. Uh, I think this is an excellent. The fact that more people don't do this show, and I mean, maybe high school's not the right place for this, but the fact that more it'd be more people like, don't like a college
1: do or don't like a do community this theater. Yeah.
0: I mean, I don't know. We did some pretty um, heavy topics in high school when we did the actual plays. Obviously, when it came to doing musicals, we were like, no, we do what we want. But like we did Diary of Anne Frank, which is very heavy.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, We did The Diviners, which
0: which is another one that's very heavy.
1: Oh, I'm trying to remember. I don't remember what play it was that was done my senior year. But I recently um, on my Facebook memories, I had shared a status that said I watched a depressingly good play. And it was. Posted in 2010. So that meant it was senior year because it was fall of 2010.
0: I will say the the plays that were put on when I was in high school. And, you know, of course, we're going to go back to this. if We didn't spend enough time talking about it last week or last episode. Um, the plays were put on and were chosen specifically because it was awards season for theater. Mm hmm. Um, that was the time when you could pick things and if you were good enough, you'd get different awards. I mean, we won awards every year in high school. Um, and then if they were good enough, you might be chosen to go to thespian conference. I said, thespian conference, um, which is just a conference for a bunch of nerdy actors. Um, it is just a fact. Oh, it it is. Um, and we did take, uh, I think the diviners we took to thespian conference, which was very cool. Cause you get to perform in front of what would be like a Broadway um, theater group. Mm-hmm. So that was... It, they're picked because s- typically the more dramatic they are, the sadder they are, the more likely you are to win awards. Yeah. Nobody wants to watch fun things happen on stage. No, for awards I want to cry. Apparently. it's how you win Oscars. Take it <laughs> from... James Cameron, (laughs) Titanic, back to Perot.
1: The last adaptation we're going to touch on is, uh, came out in 2017. It was directed by our favorite Kenneth Brenna.
0: What a fun man. It was also starred in.
1: (laughs) Yes. He also starred in it. Um, but it was written by Michael Green.
0: Who I think did a really good job of ad- adapting it. For yeah,
1: it, it's not a bad adaptation at all. Um, the only problem I have, really, with this adaptation is that they tried to humanize Perrault a little too much, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, Perot if you read the books and you, like, really pay attention, Perrault, I think because of his work, is very detached.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He's a pretty funny guy, but I think part of his, his charm and his funniness comes from the fact that he doesn't feel the things that you're supposed to feel.
1: He does not feel the need that most people feel of finding love.
0: attachment but, of any sort,
1: but that's something that like this adaptation tries to create for Praro and yeah. it feels so weird and it that's a prob- little force. It was like, there's that, but it also, like, and it probably comes a little bit from the fact that I grew up watching the Praro TV series where that particular Praro is not attached. He's funny as all get out, but, like, there is no romance, really. Like, I because think they entertain it be- in, like, one episode. Yeah. But it's done, like true to the character not like oh we need this because our audience wants to see this
0: hero almost lives that life of um i my life is my job yes and i love my job and i'm Mm -hmm. very good at my job and my job lets me do all of these crazy things and i'm fine with that yeah. maybe a cat one day Like that's, that's the vibes that I get from Poirot is that one day, you know, when he's too old to do the things that he does, he'll just sit at home with his cat and his tea
1: but yes uh, in this adaptation, it is Kenneth Renna who is playing Hercule Poirot and the best I think he's <laughs> and that's I so think bad. he did well with what he was given but mm-hmm. I prefer the last Poirot we discussed so
0: I will say with, with this Perot, um, we are getting, maybe eventually one day, um, a second Perot movie with Kenneth Branagh, and I'm interested to see if we pull back on that aspect for the next one, for Death on the Nile,
1: mm-hmm. whenever
0: it finally comes out.
1: I think it's slated you know? for 2022 now.
0: It is slated for 2022, and it's Army Hammer's fault, because I don't think in Death on the Nile we don't have time for you to try to pretend that Perot is going to find a love interest on this boat, on this
1: boat or that he ever had one. No. Cause that was what they tried to do with this one is that is like, Oh, he had one once. It's like, what? Rose.
0: I imagine, I imagine 15 year old Perot never was like women, whatever. <laughs> like he was like, eh. I don't need them. I make him French too. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't do a Belgian accent. Um,
1: but uh, Daisy Ridley was in this adaptation and she played Miss Mary Debenham.
0: This adaptation is, I mean, Daisy Ridley, Leslie Odom Jr. plays um, Dr. Abbasnott.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Tom Bateman is Buck. Buck. Mm-hmm. Buck. Whatever book. his name is. Buck. Book. You're book. <laughs> never going to get that right.
1: Uh, I mean like this is a truly star-studded cast you have Josh Gad as Hector McQueen you have Johnny Depp as Ratchet you have Derek Jacoby as Masterman
0: Lucy Boynton played the Countess
1: yep Uh, you have Sergei Polini which I'm not fully sure who Sergei is but he played the Count Um, Mm -hmm.
0: Michelle Pfeiffer played Caroline Hubbard
1: you have Judy Dench as the princess. You have Olivia Coleman as Hildegard Schmidt. Uh, you have William Defoe as Hardman.
0: I love William Defoe. Phil Dunster plays the colonel.
1: Marwin Kinzari is Pierre Michel.
0: Constantine. You mentioned him, Dr. Constantine.
1: I want to say I remember them combining.
0: Yeah, there were as many as many characters I will say they they tended to combine people when you came to like movies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. A good version though, a solid who done it. Yeah. The way it's filmed is very pretty. The way it's put together is very nice. It definitely the ending always gets me when they're just all out of the train watching Michelle Pfeiffer explain (laughs) how all of this went.
1: Apparently Johnny Depp asked uh, Kenneth Branagh to apologize to Derek Jacoby on his behalf after filming their scene together because, quote, he had to uh, shout at him and he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to shout at Derek Jacoby.
0: Listen, I wouldn't want to shout at Derek Jacoby. you (laughs) He's very nice.
1: Kenneth Brenner was aware of the over extra over extravagance of his character's mustache, but he justified it by the fact that there were 15 quotes in the original novel mentioning the mustache.
0: There are
1: much of the cast and extras are made up of Kenneth Branagh's closest friends and acquaintances with many of them having either been directed by Branagh in his previous projects, co-starred with Branagh in a movie or theater production and, or have been a member of Branagh's eponymous theater company. I
0: mean, these are good people to have in your company. Get some mighty fine actors on this train.
1: Seriously, I don't think we mention it. And I think that's just because I don't really remember this character. But Penelope Cruz is in this and she plays Pilar Estravados.
0: Another one that I think was taken from something else. I think so. Um, interestingly enough, this movie was filmed on 65 millimeter film. This is the second movie that Kenneth Branagh did with that. The other one was Hamlet. Of course it was Hamlet. <laughs> like they knew. Uh,
1: the 12 passengers sitting in the tunnel at the long table is specifically, like it's intentionally mimicking the Last Supper painting by Leonardo yes. da Vinci.
0: It's brilliant and so weird. And I was just like, why are we watching that? Because Perot, because detectives can't be who they're not. And again, i say this if you, uh, enjoyed knives out you'll enjoy this because it's very similar in the aspect that at the end of the movie perot has to explain exactly how he got to this conclusion and he must go step by step through what happened as if the other people on the train don't know what happened yeah they do they know perot they know
1: going back to your uh, 65 millimeter Fun fact: um Another film that also used 65 millimeters was Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk, and Kenneth Branagh was in Dunkirk. So
0: yes, he was. That was a that was a movie. It was. It was a movie. It was a movie t- that I watched. Um,
1: <clears throat> listen, I watched it too. I liked it, but
0: I think it was fine. It just wasn't quite as um. So there just needed to be more going on. That's fair. I know there was a lot going on at Dunkirk, but I don't think Christopher Nolan took everything and actually put it on screen.
1: Ah, uh, yes, here it is. The character of Pilar Estravidas, um actually appeared in another Agatha Christie mystery, uh, Paro, Paro's Christmas, um, first published in 1938. This was the, this was a reimagined uh, version of the character of Greta, Greta Olsen. And so I'm sure that's – I'm going to guess that they're trying to create a level of cinematic universe because everybody yeah. wants that these days. Um Because the way that the 2017 adaptation ends, it sets things up really well to go into Death on the Nile. Aha. Here. So, um Abarthenot is a colonel in the army in the original novel, uh, which we have mentioned before. But in the 2017, he's listed as a doctor because he's replacing Dr. Constantine, Got it. which creates another level of uh, confusion and yes. like mystery. Kenneth Brenna admitted that he tried, but was unable to grow out a full mustache for playing Caracol Park. So
0: for him, he tried so hard.
1: Uh, the first publication of the story which we have we have definitely not mentioned this was a six installment serialization in the Saturday Evening Post
0: oh well look at that Agatha Christie is just brilliant it was really the facts of the matter
1: yeah but those six installments were released in 1933 but it was published as a novel for the first time in 1934 one of the things though that this adaptation does um and the only reason why it re- it sticks out in my brain because i definitely have not seen this recently um it's because of the cast list they they list all these other people that were like in the armstrong family and whatnot because they do the f- the flashbacks yeah the flashback that, of when of when daisy armstrong Daisy was killed yes when she was kidnapped and then killed yes which one thing I don't know that it's ever really explained, I don't remember it being explained in the novel, and it's definitely not something that I remember being explained in any of the movies, is why. Why did... There
0: really is no explanation. Because Ratchet, who is actually Lanfranco Cassetti, was an American gangster. I believe we are to assume that the Armstrongs had done something that upset them. But essentially, he kidnapped Daisy Armstrong, who was three at the time, and killed her, pretending that he was going to ransom her.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He accepted the ransom from the Armstrong family mm-hmm. um, weeks later, after which he then revealed that he had killed her an hour after he'd taken her. She'd been dead for a month.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, So then that just leads you to all of the different types of things. um, Sonia Armstrong, who's Daisy's mother, was pregnant with her second child, went into premature labor and died. So did the baby. Her grieving husband was Colonel Armstrong, who shot himself. And Daisy, French nursemaid Suzanne, was accused of aiding Cassetti and committed suicide. Mm -hmm. So, like, and that's where you get the sort of the drop down of all of these different people. And, you know, that's why in the end... Um, Cassetti, also Ratchet, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: is discovered he has 12 stab wounds because he was stabbed by 12 different people. That's the whole point of the story is that you're like, wow, this is a gruesome murder. Somebody stabbed this guy 12 times. No, 12 people stabbed him one time. Yes. And that's like the thing. And so it's like, he's got 12 stab wounds, the window is left open, um, there's a handkerchief with the initial H, a pipe cleaner, a flat match different from the ones that Ratchet used. And a charred piece of paper written "Member Daisy Armstrong." Mm-hmm. Those are all of the clues that Perot has to go off of, and in the end, he comes to the conclusion that everybody was involved, minus the Countess who couldn't do it, whose husband had to
1: do it. Yes, kind of makes me think of um, that—the one ending of Clue, uh, Clue where, where everybody's they, it. Yeah. they all did it except for me. I killed him. As for who killed Mr. Body, I did. In the hall, with the revolver. With the
0: revolver. That is very that, though. It's like... And there I think Agatha may have inspired that type of thing, may have inspired them to do that. Because mm-hmm. when you look at it in in the book, in the novel, you can go down so many routes as to who, as to how each person could have done it by themselves. Mm-hmm. But in the end, truthfully, they all did it together.
1: Yeah. Well, and because one of the things that um, the character of Constantine points out, because he did the autopsy, like minimally invasive autopsy, uh, that it it looked like it was done by a woman. But there are also things that suggest that, you know, because there are certain stab wounds that. Look like we're done with more force, but it's like no, they can still could be all done by a woman.
0: Yeah, that's the thing is that there's so many different little pieces of the puzzle to pick up in this novel.
1: Yes. So. Another thing about the whole Last Supper shot, it it's interesting to note that Caroline Hubbard sits in the position of Jesus. Like, with where she sits on the table, she's technically sitting in the position that Jesus sat in in that particular painting. Um, But nobody is sitting in the Judas seat.
0: Which, I mean, when you think about the ending, that kind of makes sense. Oh, yeah. Because in the end... So, because we've sort of determined that everybody was involved... They decide, sort of, I think, as a group, that the best thing to do um, is to pretend that a stranger boarded the train at Vinkovki Vin- Vinco- 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 One of those. It's one of those words. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. killed Cassetti because of a mafia feud and disembarked at a great risk through the snow and is probably dead lying in a ditch somewhere. And that's what they decide to go with to protect all the passengers who did this as revenge for something terrible that happened Mm -hmm. Um, and avert scandal. So then Perot just decides, all right, my work here is done. Yeah. So I think that's why there'd be nobody in the, the Judas spot.
1: No, I think it makes total sense because th- there isn't necessarily one person that's turning on any of them.
0: No. They, uh, the person that they would have been turning on is dead now. <laughs> so he yep. would have been Judas in the story.
1: Yep. I-, I think that's just like an interesting like extra visual though.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, Kenneth Brana does love a visual.
1: Oh, yes. Anything else we want to discuss about the book, any of these adaptations.
0: So I feel like I said all I need to say. I am waiting for Death on the Nile now. <laughs> I'll probably be waiting until I die. <laughs> that's how it feels.
1: Oh, I I totally understand.
0: Oh my god, this movie supposed to come out in like what December of 2020, and then I think they changed it to May.
1: Yeah, something like that.
0: So I'm just ready to watch it. So, I enjoy Agatha Christie. I think Agatha Christie is a brilliant writer.
1: Yes. So. So thank you, Agatha Christie, for writing this novel. And all of the other novels that you have written, we will probably discuss more of them on the podcast at some point.
0: Thank you for the mustache. (laughs) It's a brilliant mustache. Fifteen references. It's a brilliant mustache. Just in one book. Fifteen references. There's so many other books. Um... (laughs) uh always big thanks to everybody who was involved in making any of these adaptations whether we loved them or not um it's hard work and we appreciate everything that you guys do yes um also big thanks to zakaka for continuing to keep us pretty in season two uh keep us going yeah we, we'd be nowhere.
1: And thanks to all of you for tuning into League of Lit. Make sure you follow us at League of Lit Podcast on Instagram. And if you have any suggestions for an episode, feel free to leave a comment at leagueoflit.tumblr.com.